and objectively speaking, uh, <laughs> as I'm laying on this boy's back, I'm like, this would be a really nice guy to cuddle with. Uh-huh. And like, he was comfy. It was like laying on a fucking Tempur-Pedic, man. Like, <laughs> I was comfortable down there. Everyone else is getting fucked up behind me. Me, I'm just like, I could take a nap. Dude. It was like I, that. That's when you slip the condom off and slide in. You're like, oh, that's what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah, dude. Without that's, the without the windscreen or whatever. That's what that's that's what cavemen were murdering motherfuckers over. <laughs> I think or I think we're good. I think our levels sound good, man. Levels sound good. Awesome. Uh, let's intro this thing, baby. Uh, dope. I've never intro. This is my first podcast. You're just gonna fucking sit there. Oh, okay. Cool. This. Cool. Good evening, folks. Welcome to Slice of Life Fight Breakdown. Joining me today, we have Matt LaCour. He is a stand-up comic, MMA fighter, and our fight analyst of the day. Matt, I'm so happy to have you here, man. Dude, I could not be more excited (laughs) to do this podcast over that night. Because that was was a memorable moment. Because here's the thing. It's like... Being an early comic, right? Watching that Chris Rock moment, I think we all kind of felt that personally. And we had a much extreme experience. I knew it was my obligation. Yeah. At a certain point, the the train of thought that I had. um, First off, you don't expect anybody to try getting into a fight with you when you're on stage. You don't expect it to happen. No. So I'm watching this unfold in front of me while I have this microphone in my hand. And, and, and at first I'm like, this isn't real life. Like this is, this isn't happening. Like this is a joke, you know? And eventually there was that moment where I'm like, this is happening, isn't it? And my very next thought was I have to choose do violence. better than Chris Rock. Yeah. You, you I can uh, yeah, I, I've talked so much shit in stand up comedy, man, that like whether I want to fight or not in that moment, I, I will forever have to, you got to stand on your words. I'll lose my entire brand. If I just, you can. So, and this is even from, I've been knocked out in front of, well, not knocked out, TKO'd, TKO'd in front of my friends, family, but There's an instance of I was in the pocket and I was throwing and I was fighting, right? And I think that's the same thing with comedy. I think that's why it it was so interesting to me for me for me to come over. People were like surprised. I wasn't because it's it's the same in a lot of ways. And in those moments, is in that moment where you have to be like, I'm gonna stand on everything that I say, and even if I like don't win this, I don't give a fuck. I'm still gonna do it. Yeah, we were rolling deep. That was the wrong group of comics to try instigating a fight with. They were silly gooses. Yeah, it was silly of them. Um, so we're going to break it down for you folks. What happened? Yeah, they're clueless. They're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yesterday, myself, Matt LaCour, Tyler Meyerhoff. A gangster. Gangster. A gangster. And Jake McDowell. A gangster. Uh, all veterans. 
of uh, the military mm-hmm. of this this great, beautiful country we live in. <laughs> uh, we did a Veterans Day comedy show. We have a Veterans Day weekend lined out. So I have another show tonight in Cedar Rapids. Um, and it was at Hoochie's Bar in Evansdale, which is outside Waterloo. Um, some of my listeners are like, I don't know where Waterloo is. And guess what? Neither do I. Uh, I have no reason to go there ever. Um, but that's where it was. And I was in the middle of my set and, uh, it was, it was a horrible venue for comedy. Uh, horrible. I mean, it, uh, everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Well, the, the room itself, it's a huge bar. Mm -hmm. It's massive. It's in the terms of just square footage and the way the layout of the place is almost everybody has their back to you. And because it's so big, there's just pockets of people spread out throughout this map. It's just yep. not a good, and people are talking and it's having not, their it's own not a, conversations. Yeah. It's not a good room for comedy. Doing bars is never ideal, yeah. but this one in particular, it was it just was bright. It was just too big. It was too bright. It just, yeah. it wasn't the, the vibe. I wanted to be like, Oh, shut the lights off on me. Like I, I, give me the spotlight. So when I got up during my set, I had watched Matt and Jake go before me and I'm like, I have to do something about this audience. So I get up there. There's, there's one person in particular that's making all the noise at this time. And I tell her to shut the fuck up in the most aggressively polite way you can. Yeah. I think, I think my exact words were, Hey, listen, uh, we drove two hours to be here. So I just want to ask a favor of you guys real quick. And more particularly, I want to ask a favor to that Burnett over there at the end of the bar. And could you maybe please, for the first time in your entire life, shut the fuck up? That was what I said, uh, technically. And uh, she did. She actually did shut the fuck up. She was super uh, polite throughout my, well, throughout the first portion of my set. That's all we could ask. So I'm controlling the room as, as much as I can. My set's going fine. It's going as, as good as a set can go in a room like that. And I'm about a quarter of the way through and at the end of the bar closest to me, probably 15 feet away from me, there's this gentleman that is super drunk, older guy, wasted, slurring his words, doesn't know how loud he's talking. And so I said, Hey man, can you shut up? And he's oblivious that I'm speaking to him, even though I'm yelling into a microphone, making eye contact with him, and I'm 10 feet away from like, him. That, that was the biggest thing. They're 10 feet away from yeah. you. You don't need a microphone to um, And I said, hey, 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 shut the, shut the fuck up. Hey, buddy, shut the fuck up. Uh, and his son was in front of him talking to him. His son was probably, what do you say, Matt, 6'3", 350. 350. Oh, when I when I got up and like had to like separate between you when he pushed in, I was like, oh, this big ass beluga whale motherfuckers. Gonna... Yeah, he wasn't a wasn't a tight 350, no. but he was still a big boy. He and was... that and that is one of those factors that like when he was walking up, there is a point where it's like even if somebody's not athletic, yeah. it's going to be inconvenient to fight yeah. them. Um he was like if the fat kid, the fat white kid from the Cleveland show was an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he didn't look, he didn't have a menacing face, but you were just like, yo dude, you're just, you're a sizable 
you're a sizable motherfucker. Yeah, like I was, I was kind of sizing up the scene in my yeah. head. I'm like, this dude's taller than me. I might have to do this. This yep. dude's big. I don't want to be in, in this position. In my in brain, I was like single leg. Yeah, and uh, so he he's approaching me, and I'm like, dude, like this isn't happening. And uh, you and Tyler start walking up, and mm-hmm. then I see his boys start walking up. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is happening Mm -hmm. i guess and uh this dude pushes tyler the dude that was getting in my face and as he pushes tyler yeah i kind of get the center of that and then the dude in red comes up and then like this bitch motherfucker and then he's the one that kind of like set the whole thing off yeah this 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 dude came behind the guy that was getting in my face and sucker punched tyler yeah and then it was chaos yeah and i'm watching all this happen in front of me kind of in slow motion and every like it's a bar fight so everyone that's been pissed off at work all week decides this is their opportunity to hop in Mm -hmm. so it just escalates rapidly to a looney tunes-esque so i see hands getting thrown everywhere and i realize that um standing isn't (laughs) where i want to be like i'm gonna get hit from one direction or another, like it's going to happen. So I grab the big boy by the collar of his mm-hmm. shirt and I drag him to the ground, but he's so fat and clumsy and useless and smelly and his dick's so small. Uh, and he has fucking <laughs> acne, uh, that he just falls on his stomach and he kind of bounces his head <laughs> off the floor. Um, which I'm like, buddy, Fuck. like, there is not a worse way that your slow ass could have fallen. Uh, so then I just get on top of him on his back and I start choking him. Um, and I, Dude, you fuck Snorlax up and objectively speaking, uh, as I'm laying on this boy's back, I'm like, this would be a really nice guy to cuddle with. Uh-huh. Man. Like he was comfy. It was like laying on a fucking Tempur-Pedic, man. Like, <laughs> I was comfortable down there. Everyone else is getting fucked up behind me. Me, I'm just like, I could take a nap. Dude, uh, beanbag. So. It, could you feel his spine? Because if you're on his back, like. I couldn't feel anything, that's, dude. And the, the thing is, when I get off of him, uh-huh. I literally take my hand and I push it into his face. Yeah. And use his face to, like, push myself up. Yeah, push up. you up. And even his face, I'm like, this is the fattest face I've ever felt. When you moved your hand, did you see your print in there? Like, <laughs> like one of those Play-Dohs? And, uh, <laughs> the sticky, the sticky sand? Yeah. I hope you're listening to this, you fucking fat inbred fuck. <laughs> uh, how's my dick taste, bitch? Uh, I did, I did uh, mention your podcast when I, when I introduced <laughs> you. So maybe you'll be a fan. Hey, leave me a good review on, uh, Apple Podcasts. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> but so the reason I get off of him, um, I missed the entire fight happening behind me. I had a very um, different experience. I, I don't know what's happening, but at a certain point, as my arms around this guy's neck, I hear somebody scream, a lady screaming, stop, stop. He can't breathe. Stop. And I thought she was talking about me. And so somebody kind of lightly pulls me off this guy. Uh, I get off and I like, I'm still sitting and I turn around. And I realized this lady wasn't talking about me sitting in Jake McDowell's lap is that dude in the red hoodie. And he's unconscious because Jake choked him out. Fuck. 
him up. And uh, that was, I mean, I got out of, I got up and I got out. Buddy's fucking dragged fat old boy out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, dude, he must have fucked up his head when he fell or something. When he got, I remember when everything settled down and like people were done throwing they were, and they were starting to kick him out. He looked con-fucking-fuzzled. Like, like what he looked very confused and he's kind of looking up and like looking around. And like, even as he's getting shuffled out, he's like, well, dude, I don't, I, I honestly, um, I don't think I had a good choke in on him cause he was, he was so fat, buddy. Um, like I didn't like, I didn't like lock it in or anything, but I don't know if the way my shoulder was pushing into the back of his neck, uh-huh. even though it wasn't locked in. If his Put, head smacked off that floor, it's uh, jarring. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I don't feel like his arms caught him. Yeah, like his belly probably helped stop him. Yeah, dude, he just. Did you hear a boing when he popped? He like, went down like a fucking sack of bricks. I'm mm. like, you fucking sack, clumsy sack little potatoes. bitch. Yeah. Sack potatoes. Sack of potatoes. So <laughs> it was. Um, it was surreal, man. It was surreal. So all of that ends. And I grab the microphone that's just screeching at this point. Mm-hmm. And I get up and I say, as people are getting picked off, off the ground around me, can I finish my set now? I was so fucking jealous of you. And, <laughs> and I was calm, dude. Like I was you so handled cal- it really well. I was so calm the entire situation. Like, uh, and don't get me wrong, like for me, the way it's always been for me is if I'm getting into a fight, if I'm like, if I can tell it's going in that direction, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like jittery. I'm anxious. I can feel like the adrenaline pumping. Yeah. I'm shaky. But as soon as it happens, like if it pops, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, it's almost better if things are really heating up for my mental to just get in the fight than it is to walk away because if I walk away, I'm just shaking for fucking, you know, 30 yeah. minutes. Yeah. No, you were, you were very calm. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. So I was so jealous of you. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Cause so you get to get the mic directly after that. So you like, you're in control of the ebb and flow of everything after that. And you handled it really well. And then the cop came in and starts talking to you. And I'm like, what the fuck? But my experience. So on the, on my end, dude, I saw everything almost kind of on the outside. Cause I, I got in between you and then the other guys started to run up and they were running up behind me. So I'm like kind of looking behind me. I'm trying to like get, get an assessment of like where everything is at. Cause the only one I know really is you. I'm meeting Tyler and Jake for the first time. <laughs> So like, the, so when I see people running up, I'm like, oh shit! One, we are, are we we're gonna have to fight all the human beings, human beings in this bitch. We're gonna have to fight the entire like, bar. I'm like, I'm like, we're in, we're in enemy territory. This is about to be like a fucking. We're behind enemy lines, dude. It dude, was. This is about to be like a movie. Like we're like we're gonna have to start kick people, kick people in the dicks and like Vietnam we're gonna have to flashbacks. run out. Like like start the car, start the car, start the car. Like in my brain, I'm like, fuck. Like this is like we need to get the fuck out of here. And then somebody swings on Tyler. 
I, I try to get in the center of that, like, and then a bunch of people just pile rush, and I don't know who any of these fucking people are, but I see, like, a whole bunch of people on Tyler, and I'm like, fuck, so I have to go help him, so I'm, like, kind of trying to dodge punches and, like, lift people off him, and then fucking, I'm wearing my slippers, I'm like, yo, these are the wrong shoes to wear. <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, Matt always prioritizes yeah. comfort. Matt's, Matt's the most comfortable human being I've be ever comfy. met in my life. I'm gonna be comfy. Wrong uh, time to be comfy. But I bet, man, you can't ever wear mocks to the club again, buddy. No, no. What, it, not in tiny towns, at least. Not for a while. Not from that traumatic ass experience. It's going to be Nikes always. Uh, that boy was so upset, man. He's like, not only are you insulting my dad, but him and I cook meth together. So you're insulting my business partner, too. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, you fat fuck. But then, like, so for me, it wasn't in slow-mo. It was like Looney Tunes, like, when, when they, they have fights. And it's like, blah, 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 and like you see puffs of cloud. It was so like, I couldn't tell who the fuck was throwing it. Who that was, there really were just fists flying. And you're like, wow, what is going on? Nobody. I don't feel like anybody knew who the fuck they were throwing at. So I saw people pile on Tyler. So I was just worried about him. And in my brain, I'm like, we have to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Tyler definitely got the brunt of it. Yeah, dude, he was a gangster. Cause here's the thing. It got separated. Apparently somebody was like, on top of his mom or, or like his mom kind of got in the middle of it. Yo, he like shout out Tyler's mom. What dude, a fucking G. What a dude. G like, like it, I would, I'm, I'm bummed. I can't be on the show tonight, dude. That guy's a gangster. Tyler's a fucking gangster. Cause he like comes back and he starts swinging. Dude, he was in it and then does his set later on. And he has like fucking funny ass bangers. Like, uh, uh, Oh, I don't want to, I don't wreck it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have a, I have a, why do I have a bloody nose and I need to do a line of coke? <laughs> You're like, gosh dude, damn, yeah. dude. I was so... Super tight set from the boy. Yeah, man. True professional. For, for like everything that, that happened, I was so proud of you guys and at the same time jealous of you guys. Dude, it was I, awesome. I feel... It was, it was no matter what. I'm just happy I was there and a part of the experience in a way. So I... I we could have killed it. It would have been like just another set. I'm holding the microphone... I'm telling the bar the show's going to go on while I'm delivering my statement to the mm -hmm. police officer yeah. that showed up. And Is the show over? No, and, show's not over. Show's not I'm over. like, yo, show's not over. No, no, no. Stay, stay, stay. I'm like, buddy, can you just take mm -hmm. your fucking statements outside? I just want to finish my set. Dude. And so I finally get back to doing my set. Uh, and then people kind of locked in. Yeah, people were locked in at that point. They're like, he's earned it. Yeah. Uh, but I felt the most calm I've ever felt doing comedy. You look good. Like I, I just, buddy, I don't, I don't get into fights. <laughs> never any, never anymore. Why? You know, I do like there's, there's no point. Why would you? You can deescalate situations. My ego doesn't need it, but mm -mm. buddy, I love fighting. Yeah. And so when I got on stage after that was over, it felt like I had just nutted. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like I went to the bathroom, yanked one out, and I had that sort of mental clarity yes. going into my set. I just felt on cloud nine, mm -hmm. man. No, I watching it. It was it was surreal. It was like everything that happened and went down. It was really one of those. Like after all of it, it was one of those. Like, is that a real story that I now have in my life? It fucking is, <laughs> and yeah. that's cool as fuck. That's that's the. Oh, dude, I, and you learn a lot about the people you're with, man. Mm -hmm. You learn a lot about your boys. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that that group of comics we be bangs high. now. Yeah. We don't be high. There were a lot of group of comics. I could have been in that room with it that. I would have been out there by myself. Yeah. 100%. Tyler fucking giant shout out gangster. Jake giant shout out gangster. Fucking you gangster me 
mildly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like the most gangster of all of us, man. That's well. So yeah, I don't know. I, so in my brain, I, I I didn't want to like, everybody was throwing shots at everything. And I was like, dude, whenever I saw I saw at least like three or four people piled on Tyler. So my whole concern was like, dude, we are about to get shot. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to pull out a gun, and yeah, I was like, it, we mean, need to get the fuck out of that, here. That, I'm not about to get shot. In that this thought was club. definitely in my head. I'm like, yo, you're in these fucking yeah. small, backwoodsy, fucking clicky Iowa towns. Like, we just fucking came in their territory, That's beat, what, beat the fuck out of their people. In my brain, I was like, yo, it's the four of us against all these humans. Yeah. <laughs> all of them, I guess. They're, yeah. they're going to they're gonna fuck. I thought it was like it was going to be like an episode of like fucking Walking Dead or some shit. Like, you came to the wrong parts. Yeah. And I like, I spend s- my entire day-to-day life is like me repressing mm-hmm. those dark parts of myself. Yeah. That's all of it. And that switch like flips. And you're like, oh, this is a part of mm-hmm. me too. I forgot about this. Well, and you go into that mode when you're in a fight like that where it's like, I was, I was in complete control the entire time. Nothing crazy had to happen. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, yo, if shit starts going south, like I'll put my thumbs through this guy's eyeballs. Like, oh, like I'm, it's I'm, survival. I am not going to fucking die mm-hmm. over this joke. Like, yes. Whatever I have to do. It's gonna I'm going to get out. Yeah, that's yeah. what that in my brain I was like, yo dude, we need to get the fuck out of here. We need to get the fuck out. And then I kind of realized so like Tyler, I think he had a couple of his friends. So then I realized like they were his people and I'm like, okay. So then I kind of calmed down a little bit when I realized like oh, the people throwing throwing hands are throwing them at, at at other people. Like this isn't like yeah. us against everybody. Yeah, dude, nobody So it, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then I started calming down I'm like, okay, it's cool. Things are wild. Things are wild. Things are wild. And then in the middle of it, I remember <laughs> this is when I realized I'm like I was kind of selfish. <laughs> In the middle of it, like when I realized things were kind of calmed down, things were starting to separate. I think people were still talking shit and like pushing, but there weren't real punches being thrown anymore. And my exact thought was, where's my scarf? (laughs) Yeah. Yo, where's my red and black? It's my special scarf. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That scarf's important, man. I'm glad you you found it. Thank you. Thank you. Like if I lose my hat, it's just a gray beanie. If I lose my scarf, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) It's the only scarf I own. Yeah. Um, that, that scarf's part of you, but no, dude, that Harry was. Potter. We could have had that. Could that couldn't have gone any better? Because we could and, have had an amazing set. It could have been like a great show where everybody laughed, and we would have forgotten about it in a couple years. Yo, I'm gonna be 60 years old remembering that. Not two years into my comedy career, I was in a fucking comedy bar brawl. How many fucking brawls are in comedy shows? And this wasn't. And like, I I do want to emphasize this. This was not a fight. This was a riot. Yeah, it was. It was, people were just swinging fists. People were just kind of like pushing, how many, grabbing, how, yelling. I couldn't tell what the fuck was going like on. Like I like I said, I was on I was on buddies back the entire time. Mm-hmm. I missed everything happening oh, behind me. How many people do you think got involved at the height of it? So like for for real, there had to be at least half the bar, like 16, 20. But like it was all very consult. Like everybody was very. It was like a mosh pit. And like Tyler and and I think the guy in red or whoever was were, were in the center of it, and people were just going. It was really just a genuine mosh pit of of, of motherfuckers just whipping around. And yeah. were like, what? and nobody like after the fact, you know. Obviously, in the moment, we're like, yo, we're in these people's territory. Like, did we just yeah. fuck with our boys? After the fact, we realized nobody was on their side, dude. No, but like everybody, e- every, yeah. everyone's like. 
you that's guys, what you guys are the shit. They yeah, everybody came over and apologized. Like the big shout out to that bar owner. That is not your fault. You are good, hun. Um, fucking yeah. Big shout out to Tyler's mom being a fucking OG for real. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. No, you should. And I understood when you were like, "I'm on cloud nine. I've I've lost fight and I've I've knocked somebody out before, and it is exhilarating." Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's exhilarating to dude, know that you can control human It's exhilarating like to get hit. Mm-hmm. It is. It because it, it, it bumps a, a level of your adrenaline and just like there's a, like a, a, a just a primal part of it. Yeah, there's there's parts of our brain yeah. that we in polite culture have to repress. There's you can't be the person that just goes and starts fucking hitting people. That's psychotic. You can't be that guy. So every day you live your life, you go to your job, you think your boss is a fucking prick. You fucking, you know, you hate your fucking wife or your girlfriend. Every day you're just kind Monotony. of revving the fucking engine and you're just like, oh, I'm so angry. And you try working out, maybe you try yoga, maybe you try reading, but you're just angry, you know? You're like, life's stupid, this is stupid, this person's opinion's stupid, whatever. People are angry, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and you just aren't able to exercise that in the moments that you're able to, the rare moments that life serves up for you are so cathartic. It just, it's, it's you need adrenaline. it, man. You need that release. It's, you know, it's, it's either that or hard drugs, I think. Yeah. But that's why, honestly, that's why I, I, I still train. I'm, I'm a kickboxing coach and, uh, I train jujitsu. Um, big shout out to, uh, James Martin. Um, but I, I, that's why I suggest everybody should do jujitsu because it's a controlled environment. But when you're in a room, I've gotten to train with really high level dudes. I've gotten to train with cops. I've gotten to train with a, a, a giant variety of people. And I think the coolest part is that when you're really in it and like you're in those moments when you're choking somebody, it's fucking exhilarating. But when you're getting choked, it's fucking exhilarating. Yeah. And especially like I, I used to like smoke weed and fucking and, and do jujitsu yeah. and the whole world. Cause I have ADHD. So the way it would work is it, it would like almost zero in and this, this like me and this human being were the only thing that mattered in my brain. That was it. Yeah. That was it. So when he was like, buddy, I don't even have that with sex most of the time. Oh my God. It's, <laughs> it's euphoric because yeah. after it, like, and I, it, after it, you really realize like the world becomes easier and you're confident in yourself. Like I've had, I've had professional fighters like, um, on top of me beating the fuck out of me, but I've survived. Yeah. And, and I remember in the beginning that was a win. And then I remember, um, like the little moments, like, uh, I got a takedown on a guy recently, very high level guy, right? I, I got a takedown that little win right there is like, dude, I work so hard to just be able to do that. And I think it's it's just euphoric, man. And the whole world kind of can just shut out. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's- I think that I think it's important to put yourself in positions of physical adversity in life. Be that fighting or be it some sort of athletic pursuit or be it mm-hmm. lifting or running marathons. I think that in order to fully understand yourself, your capability, you have to understand the way that your body, literally the Mm -hmm. flesh and the blood and the nerves react to extreme stress and adversity. Yes. It's, I mean, just like you want to explore parts of your brain, you have to 
explore what this vessel that's getting you through this life is capable of doing hundred percent. And you should challenge it to do better things. It's good for you. Don't go and start bar fights, you know? Uh, but if you do, Make sure you're rolling deep. Make sure you're rolling deep with the homies. They roll deep with the homies. And the next part of this podcast is just going to be Matt LaCour uh, listing all the champagne police officers that he could beat up. And go. (laughs) Yo, honestly, they're tough as fuck. There's something about, like, there's something to be said about skill. And I'm not going to lie. A lot of the cops, when they first come in, I handle very easily, but they pick up things really quickly and they're so aggressive because in their brain, they understand that they're doing this. So we're actually a part of this thing called adopt a cop where the cops essentially, they can either come to the gym for free or like super cheap. Right. I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> like a big brother, like a big brother, little brother program. <laughs> No, stop hitting your wife. Like, <laughs> no, you can't do that. <laughs> no, that minority doesn't have drugs on him. He's not resisting. Let him go. <laughs> oh. oh, fuck. Um, but they're, they're, a lot of them are doing it in their brains. Like a couple of them, like one of my, 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 favorite, one, my favorite training partner there, he's a part of SWAT. He's doing this in his brain when he's doing it. I understand when I watch him. He's super interested. He's, he's super in, into understanding this and understanding his body, but he also understands that he's doing this for real life circumstances that could happen. Yeah. And that he could see on a red, like he's seen more dead bodies than I could possibly. Like, I remember like right before Christmas, he was telling me how he saw, like, I think a, a, dec- a decapitated head and yeah. you're like, Merry, Merry Christmas, homie. <laughs> yeah. So it, I understand there's a, a giant benefit to skill, but like grit and, and like, well, the, the intention, the intention, men, the mental is such a big part yeah. of it. Like I can, I can tell nine times out of 10. I mean, that makes it sound like I fight all the time, but <laughs> I can, I can tell more often than not you, if, it, if it does, if it does happen, but um, you boxed. Yes. Yeah. You boxed for, for when I was a kid for a few years and then, you know, towards the end of high school. And then after I got out of high school and then you were in the military, I think there's something to be said about being, I don't think it like, I don't think if you're in the military, you're like, I'm badass. But when you're around that many guys that are trying to prove their manhood, we're all a lot of young dudes. Well, I can just like, when, when somebody approaches me, if, if something's escalating into a fight, the times in my life where that's happened. And somebody's approaching me and I can tell they're revved up. Mm-hmm. I know they've already lost. Yes. I'm already calm yeah. in that situation. Like I'm, you're never, you're never going to get in my face and try starting a fight with me. Uh, even if I don't think it's going to go in my favor and see me like get super amped. I'm always going to stay cool mm-hmm. throughout it. I'm always going to stay relaxed. I'm always going to have a smile on my face, which I know had to pissed old boy off and has probably pissed Dude, off you every person laughing in his face has probably pissed off every person that's ever gotten in a fight with me, but I just can't help but smile when it's happening real because- quick, real quick, real quick. Just so like the audience members can like, so, so, so old beluga boy will, walks up and like crunches in on you and you like kept holding the microphone like okay buddy like just kind of smiling and laughing it was hilarious it really was i didn't i really didn't think 
it was going to get to that point. I did. I, I, I wasn't. It I, wasn't until this boy showed I up. I wasn't but. going to. I was fine. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was cool and collected. There's no reason you I want knew, to fight. I knew that fucking boy just wanted to fucking bark mm-hmm. at me a bit. You know, I'm like, I I was just there to do comedy. We just you know, want you to shut the fuck up, man. It's okay until you put your hands on me. Like I don't care. It's it's absolutely talking fine. shit is what I do for. Like understand, my best friends talk the most shit about me, and they're really good at it. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, like the we people were, I love talk shit, and and it's because they love me, yeah. and I love them that they talk shit. We were having we were having this conversation when we were walking up to the apartment today. Uh, it's so funny to me when an audience member tries doing a take on one of your jokes mm-hmm. or talking shit to you, um, like they can get away with it because it's like, as far as you're concerned. I'm a professional shit talker. Like, like uh, this is a part, an everyday part of my life. Compared now. to you. I, I do, yeah, compared to you, yeah. comparatively speaking, I go and do this in rooms full of strangers and people pay me money to do it. Like, not, I, yeah. Like, not only that, but like, we think about, like, on our off time, we're thinking about ways to talk shit. And dude, it's not like I became a good shit talker when I started comedy. Mm-mm. No, comedy forced me to learn how to become a a decent comic. Yes. I have always been a good shit talker. But comedy makes you witty and like more on point. Now that I do comedy, I notice that like when I interact and I can like I notice that I notice all the little um micro nuances of the world more often. Yeah, yeah. And I think the longer that I'm in this, like I'm only, I've only been in this a little bit over a year. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just, 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 just starting out. But the cool thing is, is like, even in that short bit of time, I notice that I'm wittier and I'm quicker and I'm, I'm able to pick out those nuances at a much faster rate. Yeah, so then man. it gets me excited. Like, Oh, in five years, you know, I'm, I'm fucking people up. It's just a muscle that you're working out. Mm-hmm. And it's a part of your brain that a lot of people don't get to work out nope. that often. No. Um, and yeah, when you do, you realize you're, you're quicker, you're, you're wittier with it. It's like, it's like <laughs> when a fight, but it's, it's genuinely, so it's like when a fighter trains, like his jab gets quicker, his crosses get quicker, his switch kick gets quicker. Like our, our notices on the world become quicker. Our, our micro nuances on what, 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 pushes you and what might piss you off become that much easier to analyze or, or understand, right? It's fucking, it's interesting. It's interesting. I love, dude, I love comedy and I love that this is the only time we're going to, we're only going to be a year in, you know what I mean? We're never going to be here again. And I think it's so cool because when I bomb, I'm upset, but I'm also like, I'm still just starting. It's fine. Buddy, we, uh, we have street cred now. No, we got street cred. We've been fucking tested by the yeah. streets. Like this is, we've Everland, Ev- Ev- Evansdale, 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 we, yeah. <laughs> Neverland Ranch. Never. I was like, I was people calling were, it people, Everland. People were fighting for their life there too, but it was a different sort of thing. <laughs> I was calling it Everland, and I kept making the joke. Uh, this didn't ha- end happily ever after. It actually did. Actually, did they locked in after those motherfuckers <sighs> got got their ass whooped? <laughs> yeah, we'll forever have that moment together, man. Oh, dude, we're gonna be sixty years old, looking at each other, going, "Remember that one time?" Comedy G's, you <laughs> comedy <know>? G's. <laughs> this Fuck. has just boosted our stock so much. 
I, I hope so. I hope that I want the world to know about this. Hey, Joe, if you're listening, um, which I know you are, it's okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, it's... Yeah. We listened to your, your little friend Ari's special. It was decent. You know, it's got a couple million views, whatever. But, but when, you're re- when you're ready to hang out with, like, real G's, real yeah. G's of real, comedy. Real G's. Real G's of comedy. Hit us up, and we might fight the time. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we can find the time for you. That what, was, well, uh, imagine if he, like, really hit you up. What would you actually do? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Piss my pants. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, buddy, like, you give me that fucking Joe Rogan bump, I'll take whatever sort of fucking horse dewormer you want me dude, to. Dude, I'll, okay. I'll fuck a horse. Yeah, dude, I've done, <laughs> I've done fucking worse for less, champ. Fuck it. <laughs> but the fact that I had the opportunity for something that fucking bonkers to happen and Good then word. put the mic back in my hand and be like, I'm going to go ahead and finish my set now. I was jelly. Um, I was 100% all natural grape jelly. Yeah, dude. You, life doesn't give you opportunities to be that gangster. They don't. And you fucking had it. And you, and you, you nailed it. Capitalized nailed on it. it. You got to capitalize on those moments. Question. Do you ever do that? Like we were talking earlier. Do you ever do that where you kind of like imagine some wild ass scenario like Joe Rogan hitting you up going, hey, man. Listen to your podcast. Buddy, I spend all of my day daydreaming. <laughs> where you just like think of these wild scenarios. Like, like I'm walking down the street. One day, and I run into like Jorge Masvidal. Dude, I was I was one of those I was one of those kids growing up, like in school, where like somebody would like talk shit about mm-hmm. me in school that day, and you imagine and I would, fucking him, and up I would him. I would go home and I'd like get in the shower and I'd be like, well, this is why I'd do. He would say this, and then I would say this, yeah. and then Pa-pa! and then <laughs> and then I would and then I would do this. And I would just yeah, like I work my way through the whole. And thing. you have a whole story, dude. You'll be in the shower like like whenever my mom was like, I know what you're doing in those showers. I was like, you really don't. Yeah, actually. you have no idea actually, what's happening. You actually have no idea this. This one thing happened, and I'm I'm going through the eighty thousand scenarios of what I wish I would have done, <laughs> and not what I actually did. Oh my god! Dude. <laughs> I'm so glad you did it too, buddy, because I thought it dude, was just me. No, I was an only child. I needed to. <laughs> I needed to. I have ads a lot. I have a I have a stepbrother and sister that are dope as fuck. Oh my god! Oh. Where to go from here? Um, I want to take a second to talk about this dope ass opportunity that I got, and I fucking I don't remember their names, but so my, my a coworker of mine um, hit me up. He moved to Chicago and he's pursuing his his dreams of essentially he wants to get into acting, but he loves uh, like Michael J. White, right? Like okay. He's super into like martial arts. He hits me up. I'm buzzed. Dude's a badass. Uh, dude, Michael shit. J. White. Uh, Michael yeah. J. White, bad as fuck. Yeah. Oh my god. He's a real martial artist. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was offered fights and shit. Legit black belt. I love watching his interviews, though, when he's like, no, I'm not going to do that shit. Why would I do that? Like, why would I, why would I destroy my body do you know, for um, such little gain in retrospect? I'm pretty sure Idris Elba. Uh, he, he had a Muay Thai fight. He's legit yeah, as fuck. He was, uh, he's legit as fuck, he was too. A, he was a bouncer for a while, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, he, had, he fought Muay Thai. Yeah. Oh, dude. That guy's got all the – like, my, uh, I remember my girl. We were talking about uh, our celebrity crushes, and she put – I think she said Idris Elba, and I was like, oh, dude. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, yeah. Like, he's got big dick energy for sure. Yeah. Like, if, if Idris Elba fucked my girl, like, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't – 
be upset, but I'd be like, you know, would you, uh, would you put like the hotel room cock chair in the corner? Or, mm, uh, I'm not, I'm not that far. <laughs> I'm not that maybe for Jason Momoa, for Jason Momoa, dude, to watch those locks, to watch those locks. That'd be good. That'd be good. Here's the thing though. All right, real quick. We're going to go off tangent. I don't give a fuck. Um, Jason Momoa and his wife, we're going to do celebrity shit. Did you know that him and his wife got divorced? I did not. Dude, I need, I need, I need Jason Momoa and the, and the blonde girl from, from Game of Thrones. I need them to get together. Okay. I so, need them. Tell me why. So, like, for real, like, on an actual level, they're, like, real genuine friends. Right? Okay. And fucking, what's her face? I, I need to, I'm going to look up her name real quick. But as, a, as they were going through, I think this show, she suffered, like, through a lot of, like she internal like a, stuff. She had like a brain tumor or something. Yeah, like, okay, brain tumor. Yeah, she had real stuff. Jason Momoa was like crazy supportive through all of that. And he was actually a big reason that she stopped doing, if you notice in Game of Thrones after like the third or fourth season. No more tits. No more titties. No more titties. And I think he was a big proponent, if I'm not mistaken, he was a big proponent on her. Like their whole relationship, every time you see him interact, you're like, oh. It's one of those moments where you're like, these, these seem like the two dopest people. And I want them to get together just because I know it, it'd be, I feel like they'd be happy. And sometimes like, that's beautiful. I, you want their happiness. I man. think on some level, I'm not a romantic, but sometimes you're like, dude, sometimes you just want some shit to work out. How, how like, imagine if remember in game of Thrones when it's like they, their story started off wild. Like he was raping the fuck out of her. And then, and then she ends up falling in love with him. Yeah, she had a rape kink. And yeah. then she's like, this, uh, is, actually, like, this is actually what Like, in retrospect, the start of it, insane. But then eventually, and, like, he, he dies, and she, like, sacrifices her children. for Like, imagine if they hooked up in real life. Oh, you're not telling me part of you on the inside would be like, yes. Yeah, fucking zombie cow Drago, man. That shit was crazy. Fucking yes. I'll look up her name later. So you guys know who I'm talking about. Blonde, petite. Yeah. She was on everybody's list. Yeah, she was a she was a baddie for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Hollywood hot's a different level of hot. Hollywood hot's a different level. Here's the thing: I think it it depends on on the on the hot. Like, I don't find I'm genuinely not attracted to Kendall Jenner or the, any of the Kardashians, even slightly. Mm. Even like I've seen the sex tape. I've seen it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Re- I'm not saying. Hey, I'm, yeah, research purposes for sure. Good for Ray J. Good for Ray J. Yeah. Good for Ray J. He did it first. Uh, don't be mad, Kanye. That's, you know, you second best. But I don't find that appealing. I think it's like more da da da. Like I love Zoe Kratz. Okay. Yeah. Dude, she's Kravitz. Oh, Kravitz. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Kratz. Kravitz. Yeah. Um. I find her genuinely attractive as fuck. But I also feel like she's a down to earth kind of like hippie like i think she i'm not saying she's not hollywood she's in these movies and things like that but she seems more down earth and genuine so than what, kendall jenner does so like what you're looking for because you're talking about like the the dread vibe from jason momoa the mm-hmm. down to earth hippie vibe from zoe yeah. Kravitz. you just want a girl that you feel like for sure has a bush um <laughs> i'm gonna let you know you that doesn't want, stop me you just want a girl that you feel like for sure once in her life, maybe she had dreadlocks and did Molly. Um, I want somebody with a story. You just want a girl with that, a good story. To when them. she gets on the bed and she points the bottom of her feet towards you, 
the bottom of her feet are dirty. I That's was about to you... say, if the bottom of her feet aren't fucking black, then I know she wasn't in that gosh damn garden. <laughs> Dude, I have you ever had that? Have you ever had that happen? Like a girl like come yeah. over and like take off her shoes uh-huh. and you're like, Dude, I've literally, uh-huh. been, I've literally been like, hey, go wash your fucking feet. Nah. Like, go get, like, nope. how are you? Nope. I walk outside barefoot all the time. Dude. Yeah. It's gnarly. Yeah, man. Oh. I, I, the, I used to, people used to nickname me uh, Tarzan. I can see it. Makes sense. Like, genuinely, like, I, I, I love, like, I don't wear a shirt a lot, but it's not because I'm, like, confident in myself. It's not, like, look at me. It's, it's, I feel so comfortable, like, just walking around without a shirt most of the time. Yeah. I just don't, like, even I'm wearing a gold chain right now. I, like, I kind of want to take this off. Like, I can feel it. Does that make sense? You can feel the gold. You know what I mean? Like, I like not having much on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like not having much on me. Like, I lived, uh, living in Hawaii for those four years changed me dude you're a real nomad man i would love to be a nomad i'm not i'm not committed like that you have nomadic energy about i'm that. going to my uh i had a go a cut open an animal and live inside of it um you. dude i'll fucking what the star wars reference that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> shout out star wars fans i guess yeah, shout out tauntaun <laughs> <Ta-ta-ta-ta. laughs> but fucking um i had a buddy who i'm actually jealous as fuck um his name is timmy um, Thomas, but we call him Timmy. And uh, those aren't even similar names. It should be Tommy, but whatever. No, nah, no, nah, Timmy. Okay. Um, and he had, dude, he had the most glorious mustache. Like, like the women that got to ride that mustache should feel honored. That's the type of mustache. It was a. Uh, I'm getting hot and bothered just thinking about um, it. I'm going to think of his name later, but he, he, he dated Monica and friends. Oh, uh, <laughs> Matt Perry. No, 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 no. It was early on. Richard. I don't know how, oh, how big a friend. Oh, 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 I can't remember yeah, his. He was yeah. in. He was in other stuff. Like it's on, uh, honestly disrespectful. Yeah, that that's think, what I, I know him was, as. Uh, he was Miami Magnum PI. Yes, Magnum PI. Thank you. Fuck Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. He had Tom Selleck as mustache. But after um, yes. So Timmy. <laughs> after Tommy. Baby. Tommy. After we got out, we got out the Marine Corps at the same time. Um, and after he, he was like in the world for like maybe a year or two. And then he shot me a text and he's like, okay, man, I'll talk to you later. Going to go on, on a walk. And he told me before we leave, before we like left, um, that he was going to do, I can't remember what trail it is, but essentially it's, it's one of those ones where you like backpack for like months on end in America. Yeah. The Appalachian trail. I think it, it might've been the Appalachian trail where he's like, and he just did it. And I was so, I want to do that. I want oh, to, yeah, dude. That's, I, I'm, I'm, that's the fucking dream. I mean, I, for me. I'm very committed. I'm, I'm not quite nomad yet, but I know if I ever got fuck around money, like fuck around money, my fu- I'm going to get a van and I'm going to dip. Cause it was, cause it was veterans day yesterday. And, uh, I was like going through like old pictures and stuff mm-hmm. of like me in the military. And I like saw like pictures from basic and it got me thinking about not having phones yeah. for, for just nine weeks of my life, mm-hmm. you know, just a nine week. And I'm like, dude, I am addicted to this when thing. I now. look at my, I am, I look at my phone incessantly. I'm like, I went nine weeks without it. I'm like, that's so good for you, do you to have experience the, that. Do you have the reminder on your phone? 
that makes you feel like a piece of shit where it's like last week you looked at your phone for eight yeah, hours a day. Dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. I got it down for to, 12 hours a day. Yo, how many, how, how do I do that? I got it down to like uh, five hours yes. at one point And I'm like, I am in full control of my life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. It's a, it's a comp- it's like That's it, five hours. It man. can make that's... you feel amazing. And it can make you feel like a piece of shit. Cause you realize that like you say in your brain, like I was looking at my phone, writing, writing jokes. I was in my notes, writing jokes when really you were just, Scrolling it, through thirst traps it would be, and, it would and be, Instagram reels. It would be really funny if like your phone did those reminders and then made guesses about you. Yeah. So it's like you looked at your phone. Your phone usage was up 13% last week. You looked at your phone an average of nine hours and three minutes a day. You visited Pornhub <laughs> 17 times. You must be really lonely. Like, <laughs> Are you okay? Are you like, okay? That's... Yeah. Here's the suicide hotline number. We put it directly in this reminder. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. The government's watching us for sure. Like the government's seen my dick for sure. Oh, yeah, dude. For sure. Like I've sent, I've sent, I, I'm, I'm in a long distance relationship-ish and I've sent dick pics. The governments. Dude, they, I wonder how many people in this world have seen my dick. Because um, I, I think about all the times that I've sent it out. Um, you, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to put a number on that. But say that each of the times I sent that out, it got put in an average of, what, two to three group chats. It's mm-hmm. conservative. That's a conservative guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... You know those girls have one freaky ass friend that's like, I'm saving this shit. Yeah. And then maybe it's in their group chats. Mm-hmm. Like my dick's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like, yeah. Like my dick's bacon number <laughs> is like one for everyone. everyone. <laughs> Everyone's only one person away from having seen my dick, I think, at this point. <laughs> So I didn't send dick pics out like that, but so we mentioned, I mentioned earlier, I like being shirtless. Yo, I also am very comfortable being naked. And I had a, an apartment where I was on the third. I love this apartment. Like I, there's something, there's something to be said about an apartment phase. In oh yeah. Life. And my apartment phase was kind of baller. Cause I had this third floor apartment and I had a, I had a balcony but it was a ghetto ass apartment. So I loved being up there watching people get arrested. I watched somebody do a sobriety test on that bitch. It was amazing. But I, I would put my Papa San chair out, outside and like I hung my lights. Dude. <laughs> Dude. Papa San chair. chairs yeah, are those we, circle chairs. We, those circle fucking know. chairs. <laughs> fucking. They're so comfortable. But I, rem- I would go out. I remember I would get out the shower sometimes in like in the summer. I would like kind of go out with my towel and I remember one time I like, I put my headphones on and I was like in the towel in the Papa on chair and it was like summer. So I was just, I fell the fuck asleep and I woke up and the towel was kind of open and I got up all confused and like, I was walking around like kind of just naked, like on my third. <laughs> so anybody going by is seeing my dick for sure. I would do that occasionally. Just walk out on my porch naked. Man, dude, you have a soft dick you can see from a fucking third story building. That's sick, man. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's noticeable. It's not, it's not like, you're not like, what's that giant thing up there? It's like, hey, what's, that's a penis. Dude, in, <laughs> in relation to my hard dick, my soft dick is so disrespectful. Mm. Uh, the here's the thing people people would be squinting for like the third floor for sure <laughs> for sure here's the thing how how 
grateful. Actually, no. All right, no. I was real confident because you know how like when you wake up and and like your dick's bigger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had I had that like like the the reason I noticed because I was like out of it. I like you ever wake up like confused? Yeah. And like what the fuck is going on? I remember like I realized I was naked when like my my dick kind of like slapped my leg and I was like, huh, cool. <laughs> like if somebody awesome. were to if somebody were to see my penis right now, good timing. Yeah. Good timing. Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking to me, obviously. You're kind of revved up from that. I get it, man. I have that effect on it. I think uh-huh. I bring the most out of everyone's dick. Um, <laughs> I get it, man. The worst dick, for sure, is pre-comedy dick. Pre-comedy dick's horrible. Pre-comedy. Dude, it's inside me. Yeah, when you have to unaccordion it, uh-huh. when it's ribbed, when you uh-huh. pull it out. I also pee like six or seven times. <laughs> yeah. Every time. Yeah. The I, nervous uh, piss. to to where like i get to the point where i'm just like i'm not gonna go to the bath like even if i pee i know it's not gonna be a lot i'm just gonna pee in my underwear a little bit so (laughs) i it's funny you say that (laughs) so i was doing a show i'm not gonna name who the venue is for or where the venue was um it was it was a mic it wasn't a show uh if i was featuring i would have had a panic attack Mm -hmm. but i go up to the bathroom like right before my set the comics up before me I'm like, I just want to go piss real quick. Go up to the bathroom, pull my dick out. Comedy dick. Yes. On accordion it, Mm -hmm. do the stretch. Yep. Pee. It's one of those pees that your dick's so constricted that like, you feel like you're even peeing freely. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pee, shake it, put it back in my pants, but Mm -hmm. I didn't shake it enough. Mm. And it just starts leaking. It's all the pee that was still in the urethra. Yeah. And I fucking, it looks like I pissed, I mean, I technically yes. did piss my pants. And, <laughs> I was like, it looks like, no. And uh, I'm like, what do I do? Like, I go to the stall and I'm like trying to like dab and I'm just like, I just left. Dude. Mm-hmm. What else do you do? I'm not going to, are you fucking kidding me? No, yeah. there's, there's no, you can't you come can't. back from mm. that until months and months later when you talk about it publicly, publicly on, a on, podcast on your podcast for, for sure. everyone to hear. Um, <laughs> podcast the way yeah, you, you just, should you just have to dip man. as just, as comedians i think this is our these should be our therapy sessions like i don't want like my girl said have you thought about therapy like no i, I want to be funny <laughs> yeah i don't want to be i don't want to be dare even. you ask me i don't want to be even i want to be hilarious dare you ask me to prioritize what? my mental health and your security if <laughs> Over stand up. If John Belushi taught me nothing, (laughs) nothing else, I'm gonna be funny. (laughs) I'm not trying to be even. I'm not trying to be balanced. Yeah, no, fuck that. Balance. That's what my uh, striking coach would always say. Whenever like we'd kind of be off footing, he'd be like, "Balance, dude." (laughs) I um, I got on, I got on medication. Uh. I made uh I made the decision, you know, it's in the stigma with with mental health and mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago got on some medication to kind of even me out, to kind of work with some things that I was dealing with and I feel um I feel fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like it did. It like it I got lucky, you know, because a lot of that shit's hit or miss and trial and error. I got lucky that the the first thing I got was the thing that just worked for me. Um and I feel so calm and content and balanced in life Mm -hmm. now like i don't get really revved up and i don't have really low lows yeah i just exist in this middle ground that i do have moments where i'm like 
this is going to affect my stand-up. <laughs> like, 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 yeah. So the, the low, and I understand what you're talking. I've never been diagnosed with depression or anything, but I have these low lows where it's like, oh, dude, I like, this isn't, I don't think this is normal. Yeah. And I, I like when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with 80, like, like, Doctors were like, oh, dude, his ADHD is wild. <laughs> his shit is off the wall. Like, like my mom, I'm, she, she told me a story one time. Like, uh, they brought her to school one day. Like, this was when I was little, little. Yeah. And, uh, to, and I, she, like, kind of looked through the window of me at me in class. And for some reason, I needed to, in the middle of, like, as the teacher's teaching, I'm, like, lifting the chair above my head and, like, shaking it, apparently. For some fucking reason. <laughs> And so, like, they were like, dude, you have it. So the low lows are so – they can be shitty. But, dude, the highs are hard to explain. And yeah. Like, I Because mean, you almost feel – so, like, when I'm on – like, when you're on it, like, when you're on it, it's almost like for a week you feel untouchable where, like, everything's just flowing. I, like – all right, during one of these weeks – actually, these highs, highs saved my life. On one of these weeks that I was just like on like in everything I was doing, I had a great set on Monday. My workouts were going great. I was choking people out in jiu-jitsu and hitting arm bars and heel hooks and like um, omoplatas. I was going for omoplatas, you know, like I'm, I'm going for different unique stuff. And like I was taking like a rest day, but my body felt good and it was like summer and sunshine. So I went for a run. Right. And at the stoplight, I was shadow boxing. I'm, I'm thinking like, maybe I'll have one more fight. And that's the, like, I'll get those itches where it's like, when, when you were, when you talk about how yesterday felt, I understand. And I think it's, it's for sure in me, like these itches of, I enjoy it. I yeah, enjoy yeah. Like, I want to do this one more it's time. Something that's, it's something that's visceral, man. I, yeah. th- I, I think it's part of us. I think it probably goes back to our little lizard brain, the mm-hmm. idea of being dominant over another person. Hitting... Everyone has that. Just few people have the tools to make that their reality. Yeah. I'll finish this and then I'll, and I'll, I'll say something. I don't want to segue too much, but I remember I was, I was at the stoplight and I was shadow boxing. Right. And I'm like thinking, Bob, moving my head, throwing uppercuts, moving kicks, knees, take down, sprawl. Like I'm, I'm going through a whole fight in my brain and, uh, I kind of lose track of the stoplights. I think that I have the go. And it's like this long road. I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember Champagne at all, but it was the one like right in front of El Toro Loco, where like the the crosswalk is long. Yeah, I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. it's long, right? So I run, yo, and this this car like stops and like it honks at me. I'm like, oh shit! Like I what? It wasn't my go. And then as I'm running, I see him run, or I, I see that car, and then this black truck, thick GMC truck, comes and no bullshit. I like I just keep mid stride swing my back in and I can feel like the air from that fucker like fly through. Oh my fucking God. I, I, and I, I keep sprinting. I like, it doesn't even like, it's like how you were saying the world slowed down, the world slowed down and I keep going. I sprint through. And I remember like looking to my right and this, this like dude in the car is like, what the fuck? Like, and I get to the, the other end, I'm safe. And I start to laugh. Like, but not like, ha ha ha. That was like, well, yeah, buddy, that was a legit near death experience. Oh my God. Like if I, if I, if I would have been a deer in the headlights and stopped, I'm dead. I'm dead as fuck. And I'm, and I'm, I don't stop running. I'm still running and I'm laughing. And, I, and then I start to like almost tear up and it was like, 
I felt every emotion in my brain at once. And then I started to walk and I was like hyperventilating. And then I called my girl. I was like, baby, like I just almost died. Like, I know I say that sometimes and it's like, ha ha ha. I am like, for real, I fucked up. And if I would have died, it would have been my fault. A hundred percent. It was surreal. Like so, so intense that like no bullshit. Every time I go, like I, I, I live right by there. I, I have to take that left every time I go to the gym. I'll pull out and I have to take that left on that crosswalk. I think about that and my heart will beat fast. Um, so, so two things, two things to say. First off, you were talking about like the highs and lows mm-hmm. and how it feels for you. To me, like the perfect metaphor is like you're you're on your high, right? You're, like, yes. you're on your like manic portion. Mm-hmm. Every like you can get so much done yes. during those highs. It's kind of like creatively. It's it's kind of like going into the gym for a week mm-hmm. and every day you get to squat six hundred pounds. Boom. But you know on the eighth day you're going to blow out both your knees and then you aren't even going to be able to go to the gym at all anymore. And then you have to like reset and yep. then it's, and then you bah, have to, and then you literally have bah. to take time off. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can get so much done, but you know, it's going to run out, you know, the tank's going to you know, hit empty. You know, in a little bit, you aren't even going to be able to get a little bit done. Yeah. You're going to have to do nothing. Yeah. And so, then it's, and then it's just you kind of drudging through. And yeah. You're like, oh, fuck. Um, so that was my, that was the first thing I wanted to say. Second thing, do you think that shit gave you a new lease on life? Yes. All right. Let's so, hear about it. So I love the thought process at times of like, I love just different kind of thoughts. And like in an alternate universe, I get hit. In an alternate universe, I'm dead. And like, maybe I'm the lucky or maybe, dude, the real thought process is honestly, I think shit like that happens. And I think I've gotten to an age where, I think when I was younger, it wouldn't have affected me. And I think I would have forgotten about it. Not forgotten about it, but like, it's just a thing that would have happened. Yeah. But I think in those moments, you think about how quickly all this shit could end. And I think I've gotten to the point when I was younger, I didn't have anything attached to me. I have a lot attached to me. As far as like, I feel like, so if I'm being super honest, and I don't mean to segue too hard, but if I'm being super honest, I didn't plan on living past 30. That was never a part. I planned on joining the military um, and going to war and dying. Like my, my, I was getting ready for a reconnaissance marine at one point. I'm really good at drowning. I'm so good at drowning. <laughs> like I was getting ready for a spot. So I never really planned on living this long. So now that I've kind of, I'm looking further ahead, like I'm with a girl now that like I'm thinking about the future. We're going to move in together soon. Um, and like she has a little one. So like I, I'm, I'm now starting to get attached to her and like, I have, I have friends that now depend on me and that like my, my, one of my best friends is thinking about having kids soon. I want to be there and be that cool uncle. And then like the bad influence. Right. And I always, I think I've uh, been alive long enough to attach my things to enough things that like, now I feel like if I, if it all ends suddenly now it's kind of scary. And when I was 23, 24, I wasn't phased. Like if I died tomorrow, it was just a thing that happened. And I think it's interesting because I never used to think like for like, no, I remember being young and my mom, this is like a real, like my mom would be like, if something ever happened to you, I don't know what I would do. And I remember being like yep. 11, 12 years old going, you'd live life. And I wasn't saying it ironically. I wasn't saying it in any other way than what do you mean? You would, you would live life. I would be, and I don't know why I was like that. 
but it, I also, it wasn't scary. And now I think it's, it's kind of scary. I'm not saying that it's, it, it has a foothold on me. I, I still run that path. I, I made it a point. Um, two days later, I made it a point to run that. That like yeah. two days later, I, I went on a run and I was like, I need to run this. It wasn't even a nice day. It was like cold, I think. I think it was like a fluctuate and like the weather kind of dropped and it was like cloudy and like, and I didn't, I, I don't know. I, but I made it a point. I had a day off and I was like, I'm going to go on a run and I'm, I'm going to run that. So this is an effect on me. So it, it's, I'm not saying it hinders me, but I'm conscious of it. And I think that's very interesting. And I think I've just gotten to a point where I'm like, then I get in my head and I'm starting to analyze like, oh, now I feel like this. Why do I feel like this? Why, why is it now a thing? And at 23, it wasn't, you know what I mean? And it's only, that's only a five year and 29 now. That's only a five, five years different. Yeah. Yeah. So well, what changed in those five years? Six years. But six stars. Math, math, sorry. Math, so, math, math, no, me no good math. <laughs> um, yeah, buddy. I, I empathize with that. So heavily, man, this podcast is going to be a roller coaster Holy for the fuck. listeners, I, but, but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll go down, we'll go down the deep path. So I empathize with everything you said. Mm-hmm. So I remember, oh man, this is going to bum my mom out. Sorry, mom. I love you. We we're, love we're, you. we're good now. We love you. Sorry, Zach's mom. We love you. I remember my, I love my mom too. <laughs> 28th birthday or no my 27th birthday i remember my 27th birthday man i had just moved in uh with my buddy mac mm-hmm. um we had had like a, a big birthday party for me all my friends came out i had this had this great night you know beautiful night um and the last year was so shitty and so relentlessly hard in every way and i felt like such a loser that I remember, oh man, this is fucking embarrassing. I might get emotional. I remember, (laughs) I remember, uh, I remember getting in the shower the next day. I just turned 27. Yeah. And I remember just crying in the fucking shower. And I'm like, if I have another year, like the year I just had, I'm going to fucking kill myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm like, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't know how life is supposed to feel. Mm Mm-hmm. But I know it's not supposed to you feel like this. To, yeah. Um, and so hopefully this next year's better. I don't I don't want to do this thing. Um, but if I have another year like this, like I'm gonna fucking yeah. it's done. Um and I did, man. I lived my life for a long time. You know, I had some shit happen to me when I was younger. And for a long time I lived my life like it was this very temporary endeavor. I did things impulsively. I was bad to people. I was selfish. I spent money recklessly because I'm like, I'm going to get the most out of this Mm -hmm. in the few years that I'm here because Mm -hmm. I don't see myself growing up, man. I don't see myself getting married. I don't see myself having kids. I don't see myself buying a home. Like, I'm just going to do everything that I want to do now because I think that this is going to be a pretty short ride for Mm -hmm. me. And now I'm at a point in my life where life is this beautiful thing more often than not. You know, I mean, I I still have lows, 
but, but more often than not, I look at my life now and I especially look at my life comparatively to where I was just a couple years ago, man. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you did it, man. Like cut yourself some slack, yeah. like, like grant yourself, you know, some grace. Like you, you did it like, yeah, you aren't, you aren't where you want to be yet, but like, buddy, like you're so far from where you were. And so now I'm contending with all of these mistakes and decisions that I made when I thought that this was going to be a real temporary thing. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, I want to stay on this ride. I want yes. to keep doing this. Yes. I, I don't, I don't want to die anymore. I want to see where about. it goes. And so now all of the shit that I caused myself when I was living my life, like I was going to be dead by 30 mm -hmm. are things that I have to deal with. Now I have to deal with debts and, you know, bills and things like that because I just didn't live my life like anybody would live their life if they were looking at a big picture. I'll be devil's advocate. I'd be, I'll be devil's advocate slightly. Fucking I, I'm also, it's wild and you don't want to be on those rides. And when you're in the middle of it, you're kind of like, this is dog shit, but I'm kind of grateful for it. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Cause I, you make it out of the other side of that shit and yeah, 100%. It's cause I feel like, cause honestly, I feel like it adds such a layer that I can't, explain to people in a way right because i think i still have sometimes i still have those i have that reckless tendency that i had that that's always in me right and i but now it's slightly more controlled and i think i have a way of analyzing and uh compartmentalizing and um dealing with situations in a way that i don't think other people are able to deal with because like dude when when you're going through life and and you're just like yo is does this shit really need to keep going? Cause like, if this is it, all right. And then you get out the other side. It's like, it's like the whole world goes from like gray to color and you're like, Oh shit. So then I feel like I see colors the way that other people don't see colors. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. The, the sweet isn't as sweet without the sour. Yeah. That and that sour was sour. But like now I'm in this point where like, though it sucks that those years might've been like that, but I really think, in the long run, I'm going to appreciate because it made these years so much more appreciative to me. Yeah, dude. It's definitely, it's given me such a deep appreciation for, for just basic things mm -hmm. that I know for sure most people take for granted. And I definitely took for granted for a long time, but now I, I'm so incredibly grateful for those things because they were absent from my life mm -hmm. for so long. You know what I mean? I, uh, those, those years are important, dude. I can't, it's hard for me to relate to human beings that have easy lives. Mm -hmm. It's not even like they're bad people. I have, I have friends that have had re relatively speaking pr pretty, you know, pretty simple mm -hmm. lives and I love them to death. They're great people. It's not, it's not their fault, dude, but it's hard. It's, it's like you, what I have in me, you just don't have in you. I... How do I say that? I am so grateful that my parents traumatized and fucked me up the way that they did. Cause it was fucking perfect. Like I'm I'm not I'm not trying to be cocky, but like I feel like I'm a dope person. Yeah, dude, like one thing, person. one thing that I feel like I'm now. able to do is like I'm able to create a, a good vibe and envi an environment that people want to have fun in. Yeah, dude. I think I can do that. And I feel like my mom and dad are like really big in such a such a crucial part in that and it doesn't mean that they were perfect 
it means that they, they fucked up in some ways and that they were amazing in some ways. And I think I like took bits and pieces and bits and pieces. And then like my stepmom's dope. And then I have a stepbrother and sister that like I take pieces from. So then I feel like I'm just picking pieces. And then like outwardly, then you meet people and you just start picking pieces and picking pieces. And then even the traumatizing moments, like you take like those, that, 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 thing that fucked me up harder than anything, right? Whatever, what, whether it was like the death of my grandpa or, or that breakup that wrecked me, right? Those traumatizing moments or those moments when, when I didn't know what to do with my life, right? Just, just, just not having a, a genuine purpose, yeah. right? Even those moments when I was just kind of alone in the shower, like sitting there, genuinely sitting there, like, what the fuck am I doing? What am I doing? you pick all of it, all of it, all of it. And then like, I feel like it makes you such a cool fucking person and people without trauma kind of suck. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yes. That was y- such y- a roundabout. Y- sorry, drug out way to say it. I'm sorry. No, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've, I have friends that probably haven't been heavily traumatized and, uh, and they're still great people Yeah, and I'll, I'll still kick it with them, but they're not as cool. <laughs> i'm gonna die on this sword. But, <laughs> but some people aren't gonna like me and I it's don't care. it's funny you said uh it's funny you're like you were giving examples you're like like the death of my grandpa or that breakup that really fucked you up it's funny you say that because i remember i won't i won't list my traumas out there i'm not just gonna like start i'm not you know there are layers to this shit. Don't be I'll, like I'll, me. I'll, I'll share i'll I'm share a much. lot with you guys i'm not gonna fucking give details i'm but, too much but uh i think back to the moments that really, really fucked me up. And I remember when I moved to Bloomington, uh, I dated this girl for a little while and she fucked me up. Right. Uh And I remember so clearly all the nights that I was like sitting there, just like a complete fucking wreck over this relationship and then I would think about some shit that actually matters, mm-hmm. some shit that happened to me that was actually real, not just some girl fucking cheating on me or whatever. Yeah. And I would get pissed that I was so fucking upset about this bitch because I'm like, this is nothing. This it's is a nothing. it's a breakup, dude. This, yeah. How are you this upset about Life this? Life existed when, before that. When this happened to you, I would get, and then that would make me even more angry and mm-hmm. sad. It would just compound. <laughs> No, you're totally right. But honestly, I think those are the things that you can sometimes feel the most. Like, I'm not going to lie. I've had fucked up things happen. But I feel like in those moments, I it's easier to almost compartmentalize them because I like I don't have control. My grandfather was strong. Like, he was such a strong man in a way. But, like, like the last conversation I had with him, like, one of the last words he said was, like, do you want my guns? I'm not going to be here next next time. Like he was very aware that that it was coming close, but he was he was strong religious, um, fucking, very accepting of of what was gonna happen. Yeah, and never tried to avoid, never pretended. Like when he started to get weaker, and it was it was, and that's fucking gangster to go out with that quiet dignity. You know? Oh, it was. That's how I, in, in my in my brain, that's yeah. That's like how, when it's, when it's time, you yeah, do it. that's, that's kind of how I like you're Okay. That's I, so I think what it is, like the reason you feel like some of those breakups more than like some shit that is actually way heavier. Mm-hmm. I've spent like time thinking about this is because like, 
the deaths in my life, things like that. That wasn't personal. Mm -hmm. Those people weren't fucking dying because of me. Yes. They weren't like, I didn't kill. Yeah. it, It wasn't personal breakups feel so personal. Yeah. Somebody's looking at you and what you have to offer and all your things. And you're like, it only, eh. it only directs directly affects you. So that's why phone sex is so much better than porn. <laughs> dude. I haven't fucking jerked off over the phone for a while, dude. Honestly. All right. So honestly, you're in a long distance relationship, buddy. you have to, you have to work that shit out. Phone sex can be baller. No. Yeah. Hey, it can be baller. Buddy, I'm not arguing. It's, it's like a personal level of like, yo, me and you, like, like porn is so like, dude, what a fucking podcast. <laughs> Can we just, I'm sorry, buddy, I hate to interrupt you, but we started, no, we started talking about bar fights and then we went into talking about I... coming to terms with our own mortality. And we talked about near death experiences. We talked about deaths in our lives and the way they affected us. And now we're talking about phone sex, buddy. We're, I told you I was honored and excited because every time I <laughs> hang out with you, we, we have these, there, you, there are a couple people, you, um, my boy Helson, there are a couple people on this planet that I have conversations with James, who's a, a, a good friend of mine that you're able to have conversations with and they can go all types of places. So like, I feel like with you, you relate to me on a lot of ways as far as ADHD comedy. Um, you, you've boxed a bit, you were in the military, like we relate on a lot of essential ways so i'm able to break down things like we're on a podcast but we're just talking this yeah. is like like you're you're popping my fucking podcast sherry right now and then the coolest thing is is this is such a great experience to me and like i, I after this like driving when i when i'm driving back home i'm gonna think about this yeah and be like that went so much better than i couldn't have than i could have imagined because yeah. it's just you and me talking and i love talking to you that's the and that's those are 100% the best episodes. I've had a range of guests on, you know, going from people that I consider really close friends to just people that I admire, but mm-hmm. don't really know personally. And the episodes that people always really dig, even though I'm always excited to like meet my heroes, For sure. you know, For sure. uh, the episodes that people like really dig are the episodes where it's like, I just felt like I was listening to you fucking talking shit with your buddies, you know, like, when, it's it's cool when you're comfortable with somebody and you're able to just fucking riff and just like people love hearing that shit, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because it it's something that we all kind of want to be a part of. Yeah. We all just want to be a part of like, honestly, my favorite, my, my favorite part of comedy. Yes. I love killing when you make, when you make the room, I'll say one time, like I damn near came on stage. I said, I said the punchline and the whole room boomed. I've done that one time in my life. It's a surreal feeling and it's amazing. Yeah. It's the, but those it's the nights where you hang out with all the comics after and like you're talking shit and you're hanging out and you're having a good ass time. And like, it's just a fucking vibe. I live for that. Dude. It's and- so I want everybody to experience that at least once. And, uh, my buddy, my buddy JD, when I had him on the first episode, I'm trying to think of how he said it, but he said it the best. He's like, he's like, we aren't not fun people to be around, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, cause we were talking about how Austin, him and I became friends and then how it seemed like people started coming around us and like yeah. our circle kept growing and he's like we aren't not fun people people want to be around 
us. Like you get what I, and, uh, we had that vibe when we were in champagne. Like, I feel like it started off you and I like started talking and yeah. becoming friends. And, and then, then next Austin thing you know, came in and then Eli kind of came in. And then next in thing you know, we had like this circle formed Rachel, around us. Yeah. yeah. Fucking Kristen, the stoner And it's mom. good, man, because like I, everywhere I go, I want to cultivate that vibe. And if I can be at the epicenter of that, if I can just pick somebody and be incredibly dope to that person yep. and then have other people that are feeling a little bit unsure or a little bit lonely or a little bit nervous, be like, I want to, you know, be, oh, I want to be friends with dude. I'm going to, the best part, man. dude, I'm going to suck your dick for a quick minute. Fucking <laughs> you were, you were awesome because when I first started doing comedy, like nobody would kind of talk to me at first. Um, and I understand like my, my appearance. I'm, I'm a, I'm not some big dude, but I'm a sizable person. I'm tatted up. Um, handsome. I'm okay. <laughs> but fucking you were the first person to actually come and talk to me. And then I remember you and me like the night, like this is the night we became friends. I genuinely remember it. Um, where we were talking and you were like, dude, you really like, you were looking at me going, dude, you really have something like you have, you have a thing about you. And I was really jealous of you because I was like, my writing, in my opinion, is so, so I feel like your writing is so far advanced in comparison to mine. Like when I listen to your stuff and that, uh, Oh, I don't want to ruin any of your stuff, but that joke you have about the, uh, the mom and, uh, calling her back after, uh, her, Childhood. I don't want to say the punchline because it's your joke, but God, I, I remember the first time I heard that. <laughs> dude, my whole brain, when you hit that punchline, went, dude, it was hilarious. Um, so when you were saying things like that, it really like kind of softened me up. And like then we became friends after that. Um, and then like out of that, I was able to interact with other people. But honestly, if you, I like, I don't, I'm, it's interesting when I'm in a crowd and, and like, I know a lot of people, I'm very personable, even the people I don't know. Yeah. yeah I feel I'm, comfortable. I'm the same way. I would rather be by myself, but if I'm forced into mm -hmm. social situations, like I'm not going to be weird about I'm it. Introverted is full. Yeah, yeah. I stay to myself. Like when I worked at the YMCA <laughs> motherfuckers, cause I, my first job out of my first two jobs out of the military. Cause I wanted something chill with a swim instructor and a YMCA lifeguard. <laughs> And nobody talked to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was just tatted up dude. He just got up the military. Yeah. I, um, I, I go back and forth in my brain about my thoughts on this really often, but I think what I've settled on is any person can become a decent comic. Mm -hmm. It takes maybe a way longer time span for, for some, some, for some yes. of them. Some people obviously, have more things they have to work out to get there. But I think just like anything in this world, you know, the cream's always going to rise to the top, but if you do something enough and put enough work into it, you'll all, you'll always at least arrive at a point where you're decent. Good that, at it. That's kind of what people say about yeah. Chris rock. They were like, he's, he was, wasn't necessarily funny, but he was so smart. So, and so hard. Like I don't need somebody to be a world-class comic for me to like want to hang around them any person's going to get to that point if they're serious enough. I mean, maybe not world-class, but every person's going to get to a good point if they're mm -hmm. serious enough about it. But I can't teach somebody to be a dope human being. No. Like I can't, like I can't make somebody that's just not cool to be around, cool to be around. I guess we kind of technically did it with Ben Woodfield, but he's a 
weird uh, autistic <laughs> example. Um, <laughs> does he have the tism? Is he a bit tizzed out? I think everyone that does stand up might be. Oh, dude, I'm for spectrum. sure I'm a little tizzed. <laughs> for sure I'm a little tizzed. But uh, but mo- am I going to get in trouble for saying tizzed? <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> um, but I I think more often than not, like I can't make somebody a fun hang. You know, they could, they can work and they can become a great comic and I can respect them as a comic, mm-hmm. but like, that doesn't mean I want to fucking kick, kick it with them or let them crash in my place or like fucking go and get fucking breakfast with them or whatever. Like, you know, it's just, it's not what it is. So when you find somebody that's just dope and you just fucking vibe with, like I have, I have friends, you know, people that I genuinely enjoy that I think are fucking absolutely hilarious that fucking tickle me pink mm-hmm. that I'm like, Oh, you aren't the best comic, but like, I still love you as a person, you know, or I, well, you know, like you. Yeah. <laughs> love strong. Yeah. Well, love's a hard word. It's, 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 it's a lot. Are you the first one to say, I love you in, in a relationship normally? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume so. No, I have, I have been, I, I'm trying to go through the times in my life where I've, uh, where I've done that. There have been moments. There have definitely been moments. Mm. But even if like I'm feeling it, I want to wait until they say it. That's smart. I don't want to give them the satisfaction. <laughs> I don't. Getting, getting an I love you too doesn't feel as good as getting an I love you. Because mm. so, you have all the power. Yeah, I'll wait as long as I have to. Oh, okay. You're, you're going to get that too at the end. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's amazing. But, that's a fucking, oh, dude, that's a bit. You're going to get that too. But all right, man, we've been recording. Oh fuck. An hour and 23 minutes. It felt like 30 minutes. Felt like 30 minutes. This episode's going to be such a blasty blast. I I love for you, these man. people. Um I before before we close out, do you have any words of wisdom, any advice, anything that you would want to leave the slice of life audience with? Some quiet contemplations, some pondering. Some quiet contemplations. Um, do at least one reckless thing. Do at least, like, think once a year you want to do at least one thing to where everybody will look at you and go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and if you, I feel like if you do that, life's going to be a little bit cooler. Yeah. I agree. Put yourself in weird situations every now and again. Like, put yourself in a comedy bar ball. Okay, so I know we just said we're closing off, but that you you remind me of something. So (laughs) this uh, I have nowhere to be. I don't give a fuck. So this Halloween, uh, I went to. I I thought I was gonna. I had plans, and the plans fell through. I thought I was just going to spend the day sad and alone, you know? Mm-hmm. I love Halloween weekend, man. I mm-hmm. have a fucking, my Bill Murray, Steve Zissou outfit. Ooh. So I'm like, no, I need to get off this couch. Like I'm, I'm feeling real down. I need to do something. So I go to this party at Renwick, man, Renwick. You yes. Renwick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was such a cool, that was such a cool day. Shout out Dan and Sarah. I love those yeah. guys so much. That was such man. a cool show. Uh, Let me know. I'm going to have a week off. Sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, yeah. but I, I want to get on that open mic again. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I go there. Um, my buddy Austin shows up. We're hanging out. We're DJing uh, the party. And mm-hmm. then eventually we're like, we need to get out of here. So we go to Daiquiri Factory downtown uh, where he was meeting this girl that he was talking to. Yes. I'm just hanging out. We're vibing. That bar closes at like 2 a.m. I start walking home. Okay. 
I'm walking back to my apartment and next to this bar downtown, there's like this subterranean entrance and there's all these people outside of it smoking cigarettes. Now all the bars have closed. It's like two in the morning. Okay. And I'm like, Hey, what, what's down there? And they're like, it's an art gallery. And I'm like, it's a what? what? And they're like, it's an art gallery. So I fucking walk down there and fall like a series of stairs. And eventually there's a bar, like the type of bar that's set up at like a wedding, oh limited God. stock and stuff. And, uh, and the, none of the liquors existed anymore. I think it was like their opening day. So they already, so I was just, all they had was vodka. So I'm just drinking like fucking, Straight uh, shots of vodka, I'm like drink, a Russian. I'm drinking like cranberry vodkas <laughs> or like fucking like vodka sodas. Vodka um, sodas are good. Vodka and Sprite. The, the the entire night, and I'm okay. just, I'm I'm just so I feel like I stepped into Narnia. This place didn't seem like it should exist, man. I can't stress it enough. And uh, I was sitting in this bar. I was talking to the bartender and stuff. I'm like, where am I? He's like, an art gallery. I'm like, buddy. There's maybe two paintings on the wall. <laughs> there's maybe this. There's more paintings on your wall. Yeah, that you have done yourself beautifully, <laughs> which we are not going to close this podcast with me not mentioning. Dude. But, but, so I was just sitting. I was sitting there. I was just in this moment. It just felt bananas. It felt prohibition esque. It felt like I shouldn't be there, mm-hmm. and people kept coming and sitting next to me. And this is all after 2 a.m., man. And people would sit next to me, and I'd be like, hey, where are we? And they'd be like, an art gallery. I'd be like, are, do, do you guys have a script? Yeah. Are you, uh, this, what are you fucking I'm, talking about? I'm looking about? at two paintings right I'm like, now. I'm like, am I that about? fucking drunk right now? The bathroom was like essentially an outhouse, like inside the building. Yeah. I like fucking walked back there. People were fucking doing coke, and I'm like, of course they're Good. doing coke. Good. I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, like I would be more weirded uh-huh. out in this setting dude, if you guys weren't dude, doing coke. They're at an art gallery. That's yeah. what you do in the bathroom. That's of what an you, art gallery. That's what you do at art galleries. Yeah. Um I, there's like a couch and like the floor above with like TV that somebody's playing like Windows media player music on. And I'm like sitting on the couch and all the lighting's weird. Dude, like I was I was dr- drunk, you know, yes. I was, I was drunk, not, As you not belligerently drunk, but no other substances, mm-hmm. you know, no other substances in me. And it felt like I had just taken fucking ecstasy. Like it was, it was so, it just, it was a place that shouldn't have existed. Yes. And I just, I knew no one there. I was just going back home and I was there until like six in the morning. Dude. And I woke up. I got, I walked back. No. The, you woke up. Holy fuck. The bartender drove me back home, uh, which was only, was a, only a couple blocks away. No, it was a dude. Oh. Yeah. It was a dude. I mean, I still don't blow me, but it was weird. As, time. Yeah. But uh, when you try to grip the hair and, the, <laughs> and they have the fade, it, it throws you off. But I get back. I get back home. I wake up at like 1 p.m. the next day, just feeling like the biggest sack of shit in the world. And, uh, had all my cards and had my ID, had, had everything. And I was just like, what happened? So yeah, do something reckless yes. guys. Find some yeah. fucking might be sex dungeon art gallery and just live life. Dude. Put I, yourself in reckless situations. I can think of like three reckless situations that I put myself in. And I'm so thankful that I put myself in them. You have to be, you have to be grateful for those moments. Matt. 
buddy, thank you so much for being here. Zach, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for popping my, my podcast here. I love you. I love you. Hey, thanks for listening to Slice of Life. We'll see you guys next week.